Hey everybody, this is Kelsey from The Lowdown. It's episode 11, and today is going to be another unique uh, episode in the fact that Zaharo again is taking a pro weekend. Uh, it's just myself for this episode, and I kind of had my reservations about recording alone, but I thought it could be a fun opportunity as someone who now a few of you that have listened know doesn't have social media to share my thoughts on it as I had once participated in many of the platforms in their nascent stage and have developed kind of a different awareness surrounding the usage of them over time having not been able to participate but still being in a world where very much everyone virtually everyone I know still does participate and what that looks like for me things that I've picked up and kind of just sound off to everyone that wants to listen to this week's episode. I thought it could be a cool space for that. Um, It does tie into things within popular culture and dating still. Um, I've tried to take a few notes to walk everyone through what I'm going to call in this episode the social media manifesto. Um, Stick with me. It should be pretty fun, or at least I think an interesting thing to listen to that isn't your average. Um, So we'll start off with saying that when Homo Deus came out, a recent book that was a follow-up to Sapiens, I picked it up to read on a trip over Christmas. And one of the concepts that really stuck with me was this idea that, quite a simple one that's pretty obvious once you hear it, but the premise that um, man's ultimate fear, the biggest fear of any human, is to have led an inconsequential life and to vanish off this planet without ever being remembered. Um, Ultimately, that's what makes death so scary, is that... Um, religions and concepts of afterlife and even more um, secular forms of monumentalizing people in their name to carry on a legacy, Um, even having children, all of these things that humans have created over time among ourselves is pretty much with the agenda to cheat death because it scares us and because we're afraid of being wiped off the earth without having left a record Um, or technically, you know, we'd like eternal life. Um, now the, the book goes on into way more detail about myriad topics. And, um, that main, that main premise I just listed is what most stuck out to me because I find that it has a remarkable tie in that wasn't mentioned in the book that has to do with social media. Um, I think what's interesting about social media is that it allows every man, like anyone can use these platforms, right? Anyone can have a Twitter account, anyone can have an Instagram, anyone can have a Facebook. These things are free, Snapchat included. And it allows every man to monumentalize and commemorate their life, which then alleviates the fear of being unimportant and unremembered and irrelevant because it gives you a mouthpiece and it makes a literal index of a life lived that cannot be erased um, and therefore grants you eternal life even through virtual means, but there's a record of you. Um, whereas back in in the days before social media, you had to have been a pretty remarkable human to achieve that level of mon- monumentalization and commemoration. You think about, um, you know, monuments erected to, to to famous figures from different cultures. You think about um, buildings named after people, or whole organizations or foundations named after someone, and that that technically immortalizes them. Um, even being featured in a painting, have a, having a portrait done of yourself um, in older times was a gesture of cheating death and achieving um, immortality or, you know, forever distilled as as your likeness and as, as a, a reference to who you were. Um, 
Now, even the way that Facebook um, has features like epitaphs now, where if someone has an untimely death or simply does pass on in whatever context, um, Facebook has adapted a sort of epitaph feature where people can then write on the wall as though leaving a note at your gravestone. Um, this sort of I guess feature corroborates the behavior and tendency to document one's life and build an immortal virtual self as a comfort or a blanket really protecting against the fear of yet another life having come and gone without consequence on this earth. Um, one of the driving forces behind social media to me is the insatiable desire to feel important as we're really technically one of billions on this earth now and also one of more than billions to have come and gone uh, when it's our time. Um, it also serves a, you know, an, our inherent narcissistic nature. We are all obsessed with our own image. If you even think about how many images exist of your face or of your likeness now at this present moment, your own camera roll, just swipe through it. How many times will you see your own face? And how funny is it that more, than, more often than not, you're the person who took that image, who captured that image of your own self? Um, that's pure narcissism. We all do it. I do it. I love a selfie. I also love distilling moments with, with people that mean something to me. Um, I do try to avoid interrupting those moments, and I always try to keep my hand in my pocket and, and absorb what's around me, the sights, the smells, make a real mental indent and, and ingrain something into my actual lived experience brain because we have trained ourselves out of being able to do so, and memory is quite a slippery thing as it is. But What's interesting about beyond just the narcissistic purpose that social media serves to indulge us there is um, the concept of what it's being what's being done to the the concept and the institution of fame. So this will draw back to a couple things that I even picked up in art history when I was doing a dissertation on social media at the time. It was in 2014, so um, a point at which um, again I had already deleted my. All of my platforms by this point, I used to have Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, and Twitter. Um, and I was journaling in place of the compulsion to log into these um, different platforms. I would, in, in its place, journal in the time that I probably would have spent stalking people or liking stuff or watching things that you know, essentially weren't much use to my brain or development. It was just always looking at what everyone else was doing um, and hoping that people were looking at me and wondering what I was doing. Um, I realized it was the, actually much more power in not letting people have access to that information anymore and not in a spiteful, protective way, but by taking yourself out of these conversations that will definitely tick on without you, you actually gain power because people are so used, used to having access to everything in the information age that it actually puts you more in their brain to not be there anymore. Um, and make them have to actually work a bit to get that information that they want. Um, so anyway, I digress a bit, but I once read this book by David Jocelyn, who's an incredible art historian and actually was referred to me as a source for, um, for what I was working on while in uni. And one of his books was on buzz and the concept of the, the internet and social media age where we're in control of our in control of our own multiplicity. And what that means is he was comparing the idea of fame uh, before social media and the internet to what it looks like now. And it's very interesting how it's degraded over time. Um, social media has allowed everyone to control down to the very, what, you know, to the very caption and what's, what's said about them, um, and what's seen of them. 
uh, as, as a representation of their own likeness, um, and they get to, to decide what people get to see. Um, I'll get into that further later, but what Jocelyn was making a point of was back in the day, if you saw a person on a billboard or someone on the TV, or if you just saw anyone's face other than seeing them normally in a day-to-day, it gave a sense of authority and you understood that that person's likeness had been chosen by guardians and, and, you know, sort of old guard big dogs at agencies and in marketing and entertainment as worthy of being a face that was everywhere at once. By this, I mean, you'd see Marilyn Monroe on every TV poster, movies, um, modeling ads. You'd see people that could achieve that sort of status and being everywhere at once and having their image everywhere at once, um, only by virtue of having been selected by the powers that be as an authority. Um, if you flash forward to now, Everyone can spread their image everywhere by their own use of their own phone or having access to the internet. Um, we post selfies of ourselves all the time. We post pictures of our, ourselves with friends. We ask to be tagged in things that we think look flattering. We want a dense web of cross-referencing cross to appear more relevant in a, in a larger discourse. Um, we are now in control of our own multiplicity. We don't need permission or we don't need to be selected, plucked out of a big pool of people by you know some big corporation to be deemed as important enough for our likeness to be seen somewhere else than just us. Um, you see it all the time. You can even get a custom t-shirt with your friend's face on it now. You can take out a billboard if you had enough money and get your own face put on there. Um, things are different and we control our own multiplicity and with that it starts to chip away at the older concept of fame, which used to require being chosen by a larger group bigger than you as worthy of being seen everywhere. Um, Warhol famously said that in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. Um, this is where the whole concept of 15 minutes of fame comes, for, comes from with that quote. And interestingly, it's pretty, I guess, a prophetic nod to what he probably didn't understand would happen one day, but viral videos and people going viral overnight, even sometimes unbeknownst to them. You think about memes and how quickly they spread um, with just a random stock image or an image captured um, of someone at a cash register in Target. I remember, I think a few years ago, reading about a boy, a young boy that was working as um, a cashier at Target and became a viral meme of cute target guy or cute cashier guy and um, woke up one morning and didn't even realize that he'd been photographed and that his image had been disseminated across millions and millions of accounts. Sometimes you're in control of it. Sometimes you can't control what's being spread about you. But regardless, everyone, I think, does get their 15 minutes in some way. Um, even with the rise of reality TV and how talent is no longer the prerequisite for getting chosen for these for these programs, it's a combination and a formula that's being put to work by casting agents to find clashing personalities because we're in the economy of trolling, clapbacks, and beef. That's where business is booming. Um, the same type of attention that you'd get for being you know, a warrior for social justice or woke on your account, you can get tenfold by being a negative troll making inflammatory comments and essentially without consequence because all people can do is talk, but that can't really touch you. Um, and people make millions off of it. I mean, one of the most famous examples that we all know is one of our most influential families in the world today, you know, full stop, um, were given their start by one of the family members going viral on a sex tape that their own mother leaked. Um, it's a crazy time we live in. Uh, a reality star met with another reality star who's our president, and all of a sudden, actual change has been enacted in the, the justice system. It's a pretty crazy time to be alive. Um, 
But the question really is, when you live in a, in a time of what I like to call virality, so viral plus reality, um, can you separate your virtual self from the real-time self? Um, I personally maintain that there are two separate entities. I think that a lot of people will sacrifice um, their real-time self and the work that they could be putting into that self uh, in in lieu of boosting and propelling and advertising the the self-brand of the virtual self uh, that they so badly want to exist. Um, they are not one and the same. They are not two same things. The virtual self doesn't need to eat or sleep. It's open 24-7 to access from anyone and anyone else using any of the platforms. Um, it's constantly open to criticism, follows, likes, endorsements. Um, it is a, an image of you that you can live by and die by. And most often you see um, it being greater uh, than the actual person behind it. And people think, I, th I think in some ways people think they're smart enough just for acknowledging that fact. But the truth of it is you can acknowledge that your virtual self is not your real-time self and still fall victim with impact on your real-time self, nothing else, um, to what it takes to propel the virtual self to a level of authority if that's what you're after. Um, the question, you know, really becomes to me, um, when everyone in this user-generated content format of, an, of a social media app, for instance, Instagram, when everyone's in control of their own multiplicity and when everyone who comprises the pool of users on Instagram, for instance, technically is an audience, but they're also a performer, when every part of the audience is also the performer, what happens to fame and where does the attention go? It starts becoming a, a circuitously moved currency where likes and comments are just as important, um, whether negative or positive, as follows and, and blocking. Um, beef and spirited debate are shortened to pithy clapbacks that usually can fit into the old Twitter character limit. Um, people are more prepared to make one-liner comments than they are to actually have a full you know, fleshed out an informed discussion in a trade of, of ideas. Um, people aren't interested in doing that anymore, and we're more and more training ourselves out of biting into deep discussion and really trying to really trying to get to certain conclusions or at least gain an understanding to where you can say in a satisfactory way, okay, I do understand exactly where this person is coming from. They hold a different view to me, but I get it. I don't feel the same way, but I get it. I don't think people can get to those conclusions anymore, and I also don't think they've ever wanted to. So it suits everyone just fine to live in this this different type of virality. Um, but yeah, the concept of fame and how it's degraded over time and how anyone can get famous overnight um, and maintain it is the other thing because you have to remember that there are these huge... There's a huge um, marketplace for swooping in on these very scant and short-lived viral moments and capitalizing to make it an actual career. Think about how everyone used to laugh about the Cash Me Outside girl, and now she's a rapper signed to, I think, Universal. I mean, it got flipped into a merch line at first. It got flipped into her becoming an influencer on her YouTube channel just because people wanted to hear her opinion all of a sudden instead of poking fun at this ridiculous... Um, I guess, caricature of a child who clearly had some issues. Um, and now, now like the, I guess the, the kill is evened and she's making an actual career out of it. Thanks to an incredible team that's come, come in and helped her flip it. Um, this is the same thing you saw with the Kardashian empire at one stage. There's a team behind all of this much bigger than anyone probably wants to think about that is, you know, orchestrating all of this. This is a, a full fledged, you know, market of its own. Um, 
I think getting to this point now kind of takes me on to the next stages of kind of understanding exhibitionism and performing for the camera. Um, think often of just any post that anyone adds to build that per that virtual self and persona. It's a carefully selected image. It's very rare to, honestly, it'd be next to impossible to see anyone with an authority of an influencer level posting a single candid image that happened just once. Um, this is not it's just not possible. Um, often any picture that gets posted, even down to the average civilian using these platforms, there's usually more than one to choose from. You're looking at a pool of images. You look for the most flattering, most um, spontaneously appearing, candid, gorgeous, and you know, easy, carefree implication that it can communicate to the other users because that's kind of the goal is to avoid affectation and show that you are candidly beautiful, you are candidly funny, you are witty, you are living... I hate this term, but your best life. Um, these sorts of sarcastic phrases are, in effect, everyone trying to look as though, you know, like the whole never let them see you sweat thing. Everyone wants to appear to be spontaneously perfect. Um, now, while everyone can still understand that this is not possible to achieve, the virtual self can achieve it through careful selection by the real-time self. Um, so again, there's a pool of images that you go through to select. You can put over filters. You can choose what's seen and what's not seen. Um, and the biggest thing that I learned about photography in my time, especially in art history, which plays even into, even into um, political aspects of, of, our, of our human history, is the blind faith and trust that people put into a mechanical medium like photography. Now, the term verisimilitude is, you know, to seem like truth or appearing to be truthful applies to photography because it's a point-and-shoot method that appears to be an index, an actual index of what's in front of the camera. Um, now, while this is obviously, you know, something that people would like to take as gospel, you have to remember that even choosing and selecting what gets photographed, even moving your camera over a scene of um, a scene of something to capture the most cosmetically pleasing and, and aesthetically balanced view of what you want others to see, that's a choice. And there's infinite amounts of choices. Any photographer would tell you that there's an infinite amount of choices and, and mechanical and, and ability and skill and selection that goes into an image. Um, so you think about it. Say you're out with a friend and you hand them your phone. That's one choice. You're now choosing to have someone capture something and therefore it, it then cannot be candid. You then have them take a few images of you. Usually any well-trained guy out on a night out, if he's handed a phone by a girl, he's going to take at least one up and down, one landscape version, and a couple more just for good measure. Definitely one with the flash. God forbid he forget the flash. But um, all jokes aside, now you've got a pool of images to select from because it's understood that you're going to go for the most optimal image. Then you have to go into filtering, obviously a caption, and what, what someone chooses to include or not to include is infinitely important. And then you also have to assume that for the average user, people might be using things like Facetune now and ways to edit the image to crop out certain things that are undesirable. Maybe you've, you feel as though that you want to only show half of you or there's certain things that you feel insecure that you don't want people to see. So you can control what they see and don't see. And that's more comforting than being out and about and letting people see the real-time you because you can't control how people view you from whatever angle and what they're thinking. But there's a sense of comfort in it for a human user to apply more, I guess, corroboration to their virtual self and that persona they're trying to purport because they do have the control as far as they're concerned. Um, so you always have to consider the apparatus and the verisimilitude associated with an image and how it's taken, what's included, what's left out, and what's added. Um, now, another thing I was also wanted to say about 
the average person using social media is the way in which it plays into dating. Now, a lot of people, I think, will judge off of how many followers someone has, um, whether their account is set to private, what sort of images they choose to post. I've had plenty of men in my time that have confided in me or in discussion mentioned that what a girl allows other people to see of her on her account does affect their opinion of her and her virtue and purported honor. Again, this is the virtual self being weighed up and it often rarely matches up to the person behind it all. Um, but that's one of the biggest complaints is that, you know, of course, again, that the virtual self can never live up to the colossal dream, um, that it really wants to be. And, and the same as the real time self even further falls down from the mark. So I think the biggest thing about with dating is, uh, what I and Zaharo have called the progression with a capital T and P, um, the, the progression is just an interesting, um, almost now scientifically proven pro uh, progression, a series of events and actions that lead up to an inevitable result. I'll take you through it. Um, typically, again, because we have an access, uh, access to an unlimited pool of people now uh, that we don't even have to live near or, or know personally through even um, six degrees of connection to anybody, because we have access to virtually anyone now through you know, the glorified DM, um, you have a different perspective on what's possible for you. Um, if a guy takes a liking to a girl, or let's even flip the other way because it's 2018, come on. A girl takes a liking to a guy and she, she follows him and waits for him to follow back because that in itself, if you see who's followed you, the first thing you're going to do is look at their profile to see what they're packing. That's, you know, what's the virtual self like? The follow back happens and that's usually a vote that he's either attracted to her or doesn't mind her following him. Maybe a couple days will go by for good measure and the progression gets started by a DM or a comment on a picture that is usually nonchalant and not putting any sort of neck on the line. The next step in the progression is definitely an exchange of DMs, whether the guy initiates it now or whether the woman, again, continues to pursue. It doesn't take much longer after that, maybe I would say max two weeks for exchanges on DM to then convert into someone offering their personal phone number onto the app. Um, from there, the progression gets a bit quicker because a text is usually sent as just a check to make sure it goes through. And then a daily discussion happens. And before you know it, at some point, they're either in the same city or already were, and they meet up and it goes down. Um, the progression is real. The progression is obviously a joke that's kind of, for me and Zaharo, something that is as much real because there's truth to every joke. But um, the fact that you can access anyone through the progression, literally, like you hear about it all the time, regular, regular girls getting hit up by famous dudes um, and the way they run their circle of women. I mean, this is how it goes. This is why, you know, like down in the DM is a real hit. Like <laughs> there are reasons why all of this um, continues to circulate itself. It's not just because it's a silly concept that we like to laugh about. It's because everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Um, ultimately, the biggest thing to remember, I think, when it comes to dating and social media is that you do have a virtual self, absolutely, and it's there to stand in as a representation of you, whether you want it to cheat death or whether you think it's much less deep than what I'm saying, that's cool too, and you just like recording what you're up to and sharing with others. I still think you dig, dig deeper in your own psyche and understand that you're trying to justify a life you're living. Um, that's just me, but whether or not that's the case, keep in mind that you have one body and one mind and one physical self on this earth. And it was not designed, it's incapable to be everywhere at once. You'd have to chop yourself into pieces and mail yourself to be everywhere at once. Um, the virtual self is a fictitious character built from elements derived from the real self. And it's inherently and critically different 
but people forget that it does, and it does definitely have usually a direct and damaging effect on the real-time self when things aren't so positive. Um, when it comes to dating, just remember that you've got one one body and one one actual real-time self to give, and you have to remember that what someone's looking for online is going to fulfill a certain desire that ne- doesn't necessarily always translate to the real-time self. Um, everyone always talks about that, like IRL meetups are better than meeting off of dating apps or social media, and I get that. But there's also plenty of people that have made it made it, you know, work and, and hit it off through the, the fact that you do have access to more a greater pool of people, and it's a numbers game at the end of the day. But um, the more your virtual self strays further and further into more of a dreamlike and advertising and, and brand-like idea of who you wish you were, the more trouble you'll run into. Um, a few other things that I think I could mention, because I know I'm running long on this, but um, people are more likely to post and purport candid beauty and fun uh, than they are about than they are to post about um, things that really hurt them. It's a highlight reel. Everyone knows that, but Think about the direct negative correlation uh, to, for instance, a hungover Sunday night and how many perfect, fun, and beautiful pictures of people's weekends you'll see come up on a Sunday night. Think about why that is. Why Sunday night? Because you're hungover, you're having an existential crisis, and you want to feel good about yourself, and you need a quick pick-me-up, you need a few likes and a few people telling you, looks like you had so much fun, wish I was there. You need that vote to get you out of the doldrums that you're feeling yourself roll through because you you know, you're having that type of low moment. Um, these are things that people do resort to. Um, when someone's newly single and they're twerking on the gram, that's an attention cry. And that is a coping mechanism that's been put in place of dealing with the real time self. Um, and instead is choosing to distract themselves with cheap and easy instant gratification through baiting people online to show that I don't care. I don't give a shit and I'm going to have my fun. I'll put on a show. Like, that's one way to do it. Um, but always know that there's usually a direct negative correlation associated to the psyche of the person posting when it's that sort of outcry, me personally. Um, I think, I think that again, the apparatus thing is another one important thing to recap quickly. Um, just remember that even if you're not handing the phone to someone else to take an image of you, what's the alternative selfie or self timer. That's an even more blatant, (laughs) gesture of, of how, how much you want people to see what you're doing. Um, just remember that if it's visible that it's a self timer, there's an apparatus around that, that shows that the person capturing the image, um, doesn't care that there's no one there to do it for them and wants again to make it, I guess, look like self timers invented really to take a picture for you because there's no one else there, but there's also something to be said for that or a webcam image. Um, even when you think of things like makeup trends and branding in that sort of world, I mean, Again, the virtual self and the brand that exists to, to propel these, just everything that's a commodity. Again, this is all driven by consumer culture. It's, it's hyper-consumerism that everyone worships now, and um, keeping up with the Joneses is a real-ass thing. Um, even when you think about the virtual self of a makeup influencer and the real-time self of the makeup influencer, your face might be beat to the gods, and you look great in a, you know, like a LED illuminator halo with you know, like tons of highlighter and crazy different contouring techniques. But as soon as you step out of that apparatus of having an image taken of yourself and it's collapsed for, you know, for 3D illusionary effects, when you step out into the real world and the raking daylight in that same exact face, you look like you've just, you know, clocked out of like a clown gig. It's, 
we everyone knows it doesn't translate. Everyone knows that um, like stage makeup has a huge history um, and correlation to the contouring obsession now where it used to be designed for harsh light and from standing very far away so that you could see uh, a manipulated illusion of someone's face and their features and it's not designed to be up close and in three dimensions. Um, you know, just like, just chill. <laughs> um, this is a rant, so it's, it is a manifesto. I told y'all it was coming. Um, also think about the authoritarian, like the authority, the authority level, I'm sorry, that people reach when they surpass a certain amount, like a million followers is apparently the new milestone or benchmark for someone that considers themselves a virtual brand, um, as their virtual selves. How much is that like a cult following? I mean, how much power do people perceive that you wield when they say, oh, well, you know, two million followers can't be wrong. Let me go do whatever they're doing. Um, it's easy and people don't like to think hard. People are more and more afraid of thinking hard and they're more afraid of silence and people more than anything want acceptance and to feel like they have a relevant life. And so this is the cycle that we put ourselves into. Um, and anyone that says they don't care, well, you do. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of like an end of thing. You know, people, People want followers because they want to feel relevant and people get butt hurt over even losing a few, like two or three followers because that's a direct vote of, uh, well, it's a direct vote of communication from the person choosing to not follow you. You even see people reporting on that type of beef in, in I guess, like blogs and celebrity gossip is, oh, Rihanna unfollowed Drake or what have you. I mean, that's not a passive thing. That is the ultimate passive aggression you know, statement to be making, or even when someone starts following their ex again, and they're a very highly visible person. Um, all this rant over, good Lord. Um, let me just say this. You live by your image and you die by your image. In this day and age, you have control of your image and what it's going to look like and be presented to the public. Um, consider the impact it's having on your real self. That's all I'm saying. I think people are aware of this. I think people obviously can understand the difference between the profile that they purport and the persona that they very carefully construct for others to see. Um, they know the difference between that and the regular degular person that's sitting on the couch just eating potato chips and bored and posting a picture from you know 10, 2010 when they looked good. Everyone understands that they're different to this persona, but know that it even though you're different and acknowledging you're different doesn't keep you immune to the harm that the virtual self can inflict upon the real-time self. I'd encourage everyone to put more time into their real self. Give people less access to you. People don't deserve to know. They don't need to know. And privacy is at a premium. Fame is dying. Privacy is dying. Surveillance is real. And people are surveilling themselves and volunteering information about themselves in the interest of feeling relevant and ultimately cheating irrelevance and trying to live forever. Um, you're judged, you're marketed, you're traded by yourself and by everyone that you allow to do so. So know the difference. And that's my life hack. And that is episode 11 of The Lowdown. That was a rant and I know it. So hit us with comments, questions. You can hit me or Zaharo as well. Um, follow us at officially the lowdown on Instagram. Email us at getmethelowdown at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that was that. Have a blessed day and get off your phone. <laughs>